Hello. Today we celebrate the first Sunday in Lent, and before hearing the sermon, I would recommend that you um, read the scriptures appointed for today. That would be Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, and we will also focus on the gospel. So you could read Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let us pray the collect appointed for today. Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world to the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. What is the saddest day in all of history? Pearl Harbor, maybe? What about the day the bomb dropped on Hiroshima or Nagasaki? How about 9-11? Well, actually, the saddest and most violent day in all of human history was the fall of man. And that's what you heard about in our first reading today. That was the saddest day in history and everything else far pales in comparison. God had given everything to man. He was made in God's image and after his likeness, to be fruitful and multiply and exercise dominion over the whole creation. Man was made to do the things that God does, to reflect his love in the world, and especially within marriage, family, and work. Adam was a king. He was royalty invited to eat from any tree of the garden, but with one exception, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he was warned that in the day that he ate of it, he would surely die. Now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it wasn't there to trick him. It was planted there and prohibited that man would render obedience to God and worship the divine majesty by not eating of it and thereby confessing his complete and total trust in the God of love. But into that garden there entered an interloper, that sad and awful day. His name was Satan. He was an angel created by God, and yet fallen down to earth, who took up the form of a serpent. And he came to Eve, cunning and filled with deceit, with lies and murder upon his breath. He said, Did God really say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. You can hear what that first temptation is all about. Satan is calling the authority of God's word into question. Did God really say? And beneath it also is an accusation, a terrible lie that God was somehow withholding something good from them in some way. Satan reasoned in this way, if God is good, he would not withhold anything from you. If he is who he says he is, why should you deprive yourself of anything? Just reach out and take it, and you will be like God, snarls the serpent. Sometimes we take the devil too much at his word here. After all, were Adam and Eve not already godlike, like God made in his image, made in his likeness? But how sad it was, because when Eve saw that the 
tree was good for food and pleasant to the eye, she took it and ate. And in that same verse, we hear that she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and hearing the story, I always just figured Adam was in the man cave or maybe out playing golf while his wife, Eve, has this conversation with the devil. But it's just not the case. Moses, in God's word here, makes a real point in making it clear that Adam was right there with her, standing right there beside her when his wife was being assaulted by the devil with lies and temptations. But it looks like he was silent. He should have been defending the honor of God and his word and defending his wife, but he failed. How sad. For Martin Luther, this is really an ecclesiastical crisis, the fall. Adam was the pastor, after all, bishop, the man who had been given God's word to hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it, and in turn to teach that word of God to his wife and children. But how sad when he stood idly by, tongue-tied, and abandoned his vocation to which God had called him, in favor of the self-centered word of the devil, which in turn brought sin and death upon the whole human race. Because of the shame of that act, our first parents tried to cover themselves with loincloths, and the voice of God, which once delighted their hearts, now drove them deeper into hiding for fear of judgment and condemnation. You heard today also of the fall, the curse, and what that means for us. To be clear, the curse of the fall is all God's action of subjecting the creation to decay as a consequence for man's sin. And therefore, women experience pain in childbirth and the raising of children, and man's work becomes hard and difficult. The curse of the fall results in human suffering, in disease, earthquakes, and natural disasters. But it all serves a purpose to remind us that we are fallen creatures in need of salvation. You should know that when man fell that sad and bitter day, God did not leave us without hope and consolation. In fact, embedded right in the middle of that curse is the preaching of the gospel. Speaking to the serpent, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, that is your seed and her seed, and he, the one born of woman, will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That's Genesis 3.15. Theologians, they call it the Proto-Evangelion, or the first gospel. But don't get lost there in the poetry of that one Hebrew verse, because everything that follows in the whole Bible is just a continuation and fulfillment of that first promise, that one glorious little verse. The seed of the woman, and that's Christ. It's the virgin birth, the son of Mary and the son of God. That strife between the seed and Satan would find its glorious fulfillment at the cross, where the serpent's head was crushed, as the cross was planted on the hill known as the place of the skull. It's there, after all, where all the serpent's power unraveled. The bruised heel, that's the crucifixion, shorthand for the nails driven through his limbs. But those wounded feet would walk forth from the tomb, conquering, triumphing over Satan, hell, and death itself. Everyone likes John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But it was all there in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman, 
God's own Son would cross the serpent's head to bring forgiveness and eternal life. It was a sad day when Adam stood idly by, tongue-tied and silent in the face of evil. He failed to speak God's word. But today our hearts should be happy as we look to the temptation of Jesus, our second Adam. Because when Satan comes to tempt him, he doesn't give an inch. And unlike the first Adam, this last Adam is by no means silent. But he's speaking God's word loudly and clearly for all the world, fighting and doing battle where Adam and all of Israel and each and every one of us have so dreadfully failed. You see, Jesus is going to the wilderness not to fight for himself, but to fight for you. He enters the fray on our behalf to say no to evil. For every time that you said not, yes, he speaks God's word for every time you are silent. Today, in our gospel, we see Jesus fight for us and do battle in our place. He will not be deterred from the cross. He'll render perfect obedience to the Father on our behalf. He'll suffer for the sins of the world and triumph over them all in his resurrection. The saddest of all days, the fall, is all reversed on this day to make our hearts eternally happy. Remember that after the fall, of the, after the fall God did something wonderful for Adam and Eve. He exchanged those loincloths for cloth costly duds of his own making, beautiful garments at the cost of an animal's life, probably a lamb. You see, trees and clothing would not hide the guilt of Adam and Eve. Only the tree of the cross could do that, and the righteous robes of Christ given to you in your baptism. And there we can hide in God's mercy, and there we can walk again in his presence with delight and happy hearts. On that sad day, man fell by eating, and yet today we are now lifted up by a meal, saved, restored, and refreshed by a lavish feast of God's own body and blood, given and shed for us sinners. Every time we come to the Lord's Supper, we feast on the healing fruit of the tree of life, and we are promised that we will enter paradise. The fall of man was a sad day, but today, on this Lord's Day, we have something to be eternally happy about. Forgiveness of sins, friendship with God, and exalted status as royal sons and daughters in God's kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.